Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and back from a long journey, Ethan Carter. Welcome back, my friend. What is up, Vincent? Oh, man, it's, it's it, as we said before, it's so weird when we go a week without talking. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. <laughs> it's it does, crazy. I, I get, it was weird because I get so used to just checking in with you. Right. And like, I'll... We don't, for those of you that are only listening to the show and don't, we don't really talk that much when we're not on the show. It's almost like our relationship has become safe for the show. Yeah, we do yeah. chat. It's not like we're like estranged no, we share things when it's whatever, but yeah, yeah like not... cool and relevant things like we share with each other, but we don't talk except on Monday nights. And it's probably why the show feels as spontaneous as it is because we're excited to be talking to each other. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, it, uh, I think it was Emily Joyce that she always said that, uh, that she just assumed that, that like she thought that you and I got bagels every morning. Right. Like we were having breakfast square, together you know? on Monday mornings and right. then recording on Monday night. Right. Yeah. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> did you do anything good for the fourth? That's the I, question. I, no, actually I didn't, but that's okay. It's like I said, because work has been so insane. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bettina went down to the Cape uh, uh, with Kat, her daughter and uh, to her parents' house and everything like that. And for a number of reasons, I just couldn't, I couldn't make it work, but because I've been so busy, it's been, it was like kind of a kind of a relief. It was kind of nice to just be home, just me and Otto for the, for the uh, for the weekend. I got to do catch up on a bunch of things around the house and you know kind of that kind of stuff. So it ended up even though uh, was, I was talking to Bruce, I was like, it sounds sad that I'm by myself on the fourth, but it was actually really really nice. It was <laughs> not because I was by myself, but because it's like I I got to catch up on so much stuff. So it was one of those weekends. Um, that's, that's so it was definitely worth thing. it. That's yeah. a good thing. I mean, you know. I hate, I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a bitter bastard, but I really am not a bitter person. But there are times where you just need to be alone for a little while. Right, like, right. No matter who you are, no matter how much you love the person you're with, no matter what, alone time is valuable. I mean, it's, it lets you just – you can let your own guard to yourself down. You can kind right. of be yourself. And, especially, and, it's, and it's super nice to then miss the person, right? I mean, not right. that you don't miss the person other times, but it's nice to like kind of have that – that really like, oh, I can't wait for them to come home. You know, it's like, that's a nice feeling as well, right? I don't so necessarily believe that absence makes the heart grow mm -hmm. fonder, but I do mm -hmm. believe that absence increases the appreciation level tremendously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so totally agree. I had the literal. Yeah, so yeah, I know you did something. Really I, fun dude, before, so I, I, had, I had the literal best July 4th I think I've ever had in my life. It was it was just unbelievable. So Why for those of you that are anywhere near involved in our circle, you know that every year, um, well, every year, literally, he started it last year. But Jimmy has had Jimmy Durest has had get, a get together on his um, at his go kart track. Twice makes a tradition, Vincent. That's what I always say. Twice makes a tradition. So it does. And I'll tell you what, based on the enthusiasm that people brought to the table this year, I don't doubt that it's going to be a thing next year. I th yeah, next year I think I, I, I'm definitely going to come next year because this year I had the dog and everything like that. But uh, next year, ugh. it was so fun. Yeah, it looked like it. That's awesome. I got there. I got there a little bit early. I got there a little bit early because I wanted to. You know, if I was needed to help out, I figured why the hell right. not? I'll why just not? go there and see what it is. And well, I got out of my vehicle and I started walking toward the fence and out of the Cadillac pops jimmy and he's waving at me and i start walking over and it was like and he goes i recognize you from somewhere i know you i know you and i pointed to my shirt because i'm dumb and i wore my own shirt just so people wouldn't ask who i was because i'm too shy and i pointed to my he goes 
I knew it. I knew it. Hi, welcome, welcome. And he took me inside. He introduced me to everybody that was on the track. You know, they were fixing the, they were working on the Cadillac. They were, they were working on go-karts and it was just, it was so, I met, I met so many people. I had the greatest time ever. It was just, it was exceptional. It was exceptional. It was so much fun. It's, it's, isn't it true though? I mean, I've said it about, you know, any of these kind of gatherings, workbench kind or any of these types, isn't it just amazing at how, welcoming and friendly this group of people are i mean i've never i've never experienced that kind of openness and friendliness i've i met people i met people who i'd only seen their faces on youtube right right. and that was amazing yeah i met people who i knew tangentially by name and that was amazing i you know i got to hang out with al because Al lives like yep. 20 minutes from Jimmy. So it's like, oh, I got to hang out with Al, which is always a pleasure for me. I'm right. always excited that I get to hang out with Al. You know, I got to meet after all this time, I finally got to meet Dave Bauer, which was freaking awesome. Crazy. I know. Um, and then I, Keith, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't catch it. He was there. That's crazy. Yep, That's yep. awesome. He was there. Keith Decent did. Yep. And this I'm not even making I was going to make it an, a secondary thing of the week. But Keith Decent brought his um, tufting gun for rug making and let me tell you something anyone who thinks they have it figured out what they want to do that's a rabbit hole you'll go down in a hurry it was so much fun it looks like it looks super oh. as we were talking about before we started recording it, it's it's one of those things that I, it just to me it looks like it's one of those things that you do and you're just like, that's magic i don't understand how it works i don't care it's magic the way i look at it and the way i've been thinking about it is it's the kind of thing that i can set up in an apartment and do right. in an apartment and right. I'm basically thinking about just downsizing everything, selling all my tools that are in the shop and forgetting about the shop until I'm ready to set up another one mm-hmm. and going in another direction, doing things I can do in an apartment, you know, leaning into the jewelry a little more, doing stuff like rugs and all this stuff. Cause I think I could do that. I'm and telling I can, you, man, leather work, keep it going. You don't need any space for leather work. Either, so. <laughs> no, leather work does require a level of skill that I don't have, <laughs> but you know who has good leather work yes. skills? Look at that. Look at that transition. My co-host has them and yeah. our guest has them just as much, maybe even more. I don't Definitely know. More. You guys Definitely can more. fight don't, it out don't, to don't the death. Don't feel bad about saying more because <laughs> I uh, 100% agree. So we have our guest this week. Our guest this week is someone who I discovered on Instagram. I don't even remember how maybe she remembers how we kind of came to know each other. I don't even know. All I know is she was very supportive of the show and I started following her and watching her work and I'm just like, just jaw dropped. <laughs> like, it yeah. just... It just gets like better and better. Like everything that she posts is just like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and we actually, I made, I think it was last week with Emily. I made a um, an offhand reference to her, where we were talking. Now I can actually reveal that it was her that we were talking about. When I was talking about stuff that was imperfect, that was, I was like, what? That's that's an imperfection. Okay. <laughs> um, but our guest this week is the one, the only, Jamie Seal from Seal Made. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great, Vincent. How are you? I am amazing, as Welcome. always. Welcome, yeah. Jamie. So thank nice you. to have you. Yeah, thank you very much. Nice. It's very nice being here. I, I, so I, like I said, I don't remember necessarily how I came to know about you, but ever since, ever since I knew about you, I've been following your stuff and watching you make stuff that I've just been like, wait, what is she doing? This is so cool. Your design aesthetic is so awesome. Like it's there, you go, you run the gamut from 
super clean to edgy stuff to whoa that's some high fashion stuff it's it's kind of amazing that you managed to keep all these separate styles both separate and yet kind of intertwine them at times it's it's really impressive seeing your work well thank you very much um i try i guess to put like the style and the design aesthetic of things um uh, as the like the front runner in my products because there are you know there's sort of like a leather goods resurgence that's that's happening a little bit and um you know there are so many really wonderful makers and creators out there of leather goods but um I noticed there wasn't like a um you know like a bridge between like the fast fashion stuff that you see that's like wild shapes and everything, but it's made Mm -hmm. out of like plastic and, you know, just crap materials. And then, um, like quality craftsmanship on like a, a sort of like handmade level. Right. And and that's some, that's actually, that was the word I was trying to find. Like you've managed to, you've managed to bring high fashion into something that tends to lean more traditional, which is kind of crazy. You know, leather, Everybody talks about the timelessness of leather, and there is definitely a timelessness to most of the stuff that's made. And that's not, it's just, you've gone a completely different direction from what you typically see, which is awesome. Thank you. That is, that is pretty much a hundred percent what I'm trying to do. So that's, <laughs> at least it's landing. <laughs> oh, it's, land- it's definitely landing. I mean, I can, I did the level of, I always, when, when some, like when we had, um, Leanne and Nick from Hemlock mm-hmm. and Hyde yeah. on, one of the things that we talked about was, how clean right. the stuff is. And I don't mean clean like, oh, yeah, this is really like shiny, whatever. I just mean the lines of it. And there's, yeah. some, there's an aesthetic to it. Even when you embrace buckles and snaps and rivets and stuff, it's still – there's still a clean line to it. It's I really love your style. I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and pick your brain because I wanted to see what makes this stuff – I want to talk more to the brain that makes this stuff work, but – I also wanted people to see how you could take a traditional skill that can get a little bit repetitive and do something really, really cool with it. Yeah. Thank you very much again. Um, <laughs> I, um, but I wanted to uh, mention uh, Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde because that's actually how I found out about Because We Make. Here we go. Yeah. Awesome. They, yeah. That was um I, you know, I watch their stories and their stuff. And uh, recently I've been on, um, on Clubhouse a little bit and I had the chance to talk with Leanne a little bit and, um, you know, they're just like at Nick, geez, <laughs> Leanne and Nick are, um, they're really incredible makers and, um, they're, you know, their lines are really clean and their products and they, they have something really special going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I watched their stuff and then they talked about your podcast and I was like, oh, I'm going to check that out because that seems cool. And then, you know, I listened to a couple of episodes and I was hooked because of your, you know, the content that you have on the podcast is not like any other podcast I've been able to find. Wow. Another one. We got a bottle of up, Ethan. That's it. We got a bottle of up. Exactly. Exactly. And that's you know, it. It's, it's funny though, Vincent, what you said though, because, um, because I, I, um, Leanne and Nick, like I see your, like the two of your styles are not the same, but mm-hmm. I see the the same things I like about 
their style is are the same things that I like about your style. And I don't exactly know how to put my finger on it. I mean, it's the clean lines, Vincent. I think it's that it's just the, there's a classic look, but with an edge with, a, or not even an edge with a, with a u- uniqueness. So it's classic, but with a unique style that is your own. And that's, I think, that's what I think is missing from a lot of kind of the traditional um, leatherworking shops, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily. It's just, it's a, it's a distinction that, that separates you from others. Yeah. It's um, it's definitely difficult to, <laughs> to try to come up with, you know, the thing that's going to be <laughs> different. Well, it's hard to be, it's hard to be on the leading edge. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? That's why, that's why people that do manage to find their way to that leading edge are always like people, you know, they kind of attract a crowd. It's, whoa, look what you're doing. Like that's, that's interesting. I like that. I like that. And it's, it's nice to, it's nice to kind of carve your own niche a little bit. It's nice to, um, to not be, you know, I, what I, what we love, you know, we talk about it in woodworking all the time, but in woodworking, you know, there is the people like Chris Salamone. He's always Chris Salamone and, um, you know, all, all these other folks that, that do like this super detailed, perfectly angled, excellent miter joints, you know, crazy dovetails, like those kind of people, you know, maybe I'll even throw Chris from cow dog in there. So he doesn't yell at me in the comments afterwards, but you know, and then you look at something like the stuff I do, which is not that kind of woodworking or the stuff that maybe Steve Ramsey would do, which is not that kind of woodworking. It's more of a get a feel for it, measure to fit, kind of make it work, cover up your mistakes really well afterwards and hope everything <laughs> goes well, you know? And right. it's the same with, you know, you're doing higher fashion, you're doing high fashion stuff that's got an edge to it. I, I love, one of the things that you do a lot that I just love, um, you posted, I'm kind of going through your feet. There it is. There was a maroon bag that you posted a while back and it had these, these, these rivets down the front of these, it was like multiple panels and there were rivets down the front. And then there's these straps that came to these brass loops in the middle. And I just loved the overall look of that because it's almost like a middle finger to other people that do leather work. And I kind of like, like, Oh, this is like, she's kind of going in her own way with this stuff. And I love that. I, I love when people find their niche and then lean into it and embrace it and just do crazy things with it. I also think that you have a really nice like uh, sense of what works. I, I, I go back to the, uh, what is it? The classic bandit, but I love when you made the little bandit, like the kind of sidekick, it was like a perfect, of, of course, but it's, and it's, it's so <laughs> cute, but, and it looks exactly the same, but it's just smaller. Like if you, if you don't, when you, I think you did one post without them and then one post next side by side. And yeah. I would never get, you know, never have known that it was like the little bandit until it was side by side with the classic bandit. But yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's like that there's a need for different sizes. So double down on it yep. if you have a good design. Yeah. And I definitely try to, um, you know, I, I make a certain size of bag and it's funny because my own personal preferences kind of override sometimes where I'm like, this is the size of a bag. And then I'm like, <laughs> now we need a smaller one. And then... <laughs> you know, we, we make the smaller one. Right. And then, um, and it's so funny because if I, if I start with one size and then I make a smaller one, a hundred percent of the time, no matter what, every single question I get is going to be, well, do you have a bigger one? <laughs> no matter what you make, there's always going to be somebody that wants the other thing. It's yes. just kind of and the way then, it goes, right? Yeah. 
And you're and, like, actually, just look back at one post, and you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, they want they want like a bigger one than the original. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, and it's it's funny because I'm like I don't wear you know like large handbags. I have like the one size, and it's funny because that's like the original, like the standard size of most of the things that I make. And then I'm like, and now we're gonna make like a small one, and then. <laughs> And then everyone's always like, but what about a big one? And I'm like, whoa, a big one? What do you mean? <laughs> let's, let's this get, is let's, the big one, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> let's get our terms on the same page here. How big are we talking? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Is this going to cost me a lot of leather? Like, <laughs> yeah. should I be able to get in this bag? Like, how big yeah. are we talking about? <laughs> so one of the things I always like asking people, and, you know, obviously because of the kind of show this is, it's the question that you naturally ask is, is this something you've just taken up recently or is it, how did you get started making? And in particular, how did you get started with leather work? Um, so that's, uh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, we have plenty I'm... of time, Jamie, plenty of time. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, how I got started is a sort of like, it's, it's kind of a three part thing. Um, one, I've been, um, I have been wanting to start my own business forever since I was like 13 years old, pretty much. Um, and uh, that it started, you know, with uh, business plans that I would write and I would give them to my mom. And I'm like, mom, look at this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we need to turn the like detached garage that we have into like a dog boarding facility and <laughs> here are the kennels and I've sourced all of the materials. Oh, that's amazing. And here's the budget and the layout and everything. And I was just like a hundred percent on it. And my poor mom was just like trying to, you know, find the one thing that would be like, um, that would like turn me off to the idea. She's like, that's going to be you know, a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do everything. That's how it works. One person business. It's all going to be great. Yes. It's perfect. And there are never any problems. Yeah. But, (laughs) um, so I was, um, I was a handful growing up for her, I'm sure. Um, but when I went to college, I went to college for fashion design Uh and, uh, yeah. So I went to art school first, then switched over to fashion design. And, um, sort of going into that, like my, you know, my favorite designer was Alexander McQueen because it was in like 2010 when that was pretty much every fashion student's favorite designer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I just, I liked, um, the lines that he used and the like sort of anatomical references in his work. Like a lot of things were based off like skeletons and stuff, um, and then let's see. Uh, so I, when I graduated college, I wanted to do like bridal wear. Um, really? And, yeah, more like formal wear. Maybe Wait a because yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's, 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 that's that you could knock me over with a feather right now. <laughs> I can't imagine, and you know, this is this is just you know. I mean, let's be honest. This is you know the Jamie and we know now. Like, I can't imagine you like, oh, look at this bride. What is she wearing? Oh, she's wearing Jamie Seal. Right. Like, like, I just, I I don't see it. Really? That is 
freaking amazing. It, yeah, and I I picked that mainly because um my design aesthetic was really extravagant, very like extra and, you know, <laughs> jamming in like as many weird details and shapes as I could. Um, <laughs> okay. So it was sort of like the the one like practical real world outlet that you can do as a designer um is bridal so it's like they want mm-hmm. their one dress to be you know super perfect and awesome um and then after so i got into that and um ran into some contractor fraud unfortunately mm. but wow. yeah um that sort of gave me like a little bit of a wake up call and it's like i don't want to be in an industry that's not necessarily like handmade Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Because I was, you know, relying on a contractor for things and the contractor that I had picked was unfortunately fraudulent and, um, you know, uh, took me for a ride pretty much. Oh, that's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, it was. But um, after that, when I was in the process of kind of like scrambling for like, what am I going to do? You know, what's the next thing I can make that's like, small and sort of quick um to try to like save the sinking ship kind of thing um and i walked into a tandy tandy leather here in columbus and um i wanted to make like a leather like bridal garter of some sort and i walked into the leather shop and the smell hit me and i was like (laughs) (laughs) this is cool (laughs) it's like this you know, this is a great smell, and I would like to have that around me all the time. <laughs> wow. And that's sort of how I got started in leather specifically. That's freaking fantastic. I I love that it was I love that it was the the overlap of bridal into right. leather that got you into leather. Like, you know, yeah. oh, that's kind of crazy. But I can I can totally see the the shapes though in 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 your work. There's definitely still a ton of angles and shapes right the the one that i think the bag that you keep talking about vincent with um you know with the rivets and like mm-hmm. the um circles what i mm-hmm. yeah that's the the palace bag yes the palace mm-hmm. bag. i love that bag I, so much yeah. <laughs> there's so much yeah there's so much so many shapes and angles in that piece that it's one of those two that you don't really it's they're subtle enough that you don't really realize it unless you look at it and then you're like oh that's why i like it right like that, <laughs> you, because no, but I mean, there's the angles going like the the slants going down and the slants going up, and yeah, it just I don't know. It's I, now that you say that, I can totally see that, and I don't I don't think I realized that until you said uh, that you love the shapes. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that's very noticeable is you know that color is just a unique color. It doesn't feel like a color that's been done. You know, it's one of the things that you know, when we were, when we had, um, Leanne and Nick on, we were talking about the olive color leather that they've been using. And it's like, wow, it's so nice to see leather. That's not Brown and black, you know, right? Mm-hmm. not to say that there's something wrong with Brown and black, but then also like every once in a while you see something, you go, Oh, that's a, that's a nice color. Like mm-hmm. that's <laughs> a nice freaking color. I like mm-hmm. that. It's, I think that that's kind of like, I, and I always wonder like when you work in a material that's definitely has some traditional, I don't know. I don't want to say limitations because they're not really limitations, but the the craft does kind of self-select brown and black. Yeah. Do you ever feel like I just want to make things with like purple and stuff like like 
does it ever get to you where you're like, I want to do something a little just for the hell of it, just change colors up or? Um, sometimes, you know, I, I like, um, I primarily, I wear mostly like all black colors. Um, and I like the black bags for a staple. And then I like things that sort of pop on an all black outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really, um, I haven't really thought about other, you know, like, um, super like unnatural colors. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to get some gray and white going, but, um, the whole custom leather color thing is, is a whole different game (laughs) that I'm not, I'm not quite big enough for yet. (laughs) I do like that you do seem to be, you do seem to experiment with textures though. I do notice there's a lot of variation in the textures of the leather you use. It isn't all just like smooth and like yeah. there's that I don't know what it's called. You know, you guys are leather experts. I'm just a leather like I'm a leather fan. Yeah. But I I like the, I like that like that really bumpy leather that you use like on some of the bags. Kind of. Yes, it is. And that's um it's a uh, milled. No. So it's the a lot of time like a an actual like a pebbled leather has a print on it that's like a heat debossed um situation but um a so all the leather i use is all full grain and um the the like it's like english bridal leather that i use for a lot of the hard goods Mm -hmm. and then um i have that milled by the tannery to make the soft goods so it's the same stuff but it's just um it's tumbled with like steam and heat for i think like 48 hours by the tannery Um, and then it, it brings out like it, it, uh, softens the hide a little bit and it brings out the natural like texture that the, that the cow had on its skin. Um, which is, I didn't know how they got that, that texture. I thought it was just like different parts of the hide. So that's like, that's a process that brings that out. Yeah. And different parts of the hide do have different like levels of the, like the bumpy look, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it is, it's like a natural thing that comes out when it's not like pressed flat. That's crazy. It's so cool. It looks so, and it looks so cool. Like when you go with something like that's really, really smooth and you have that little accent piece that has the extra texture on it. Like even within the same color, it's like, Whoa, that looks that looks pretty slick. Oh, I like it's that. it's a way of adding accent pieces, right? Yeah. Even with, but again, that's subtle, and I think that's when it's sometimes it's the nicest when it's a subtle accent. To your point, Vincent, the same it can be the same color, but then you just get that slight texture difference, and it just it makes it pop, you know. So one of the things that one of the things that we talked, I think we talked about it. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show, but you know, we, we were kind of batting back and forth that you were having trouble getting waxed canvas. And I was telling, I think, I, I think this was on the show. Cause I remember telling, Oh, Ethan, if you're going to start making wax canvas, you should get in touch oh, with yeah. Jamie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So the wax canvas saga was pretty amazing. Cause for people that, you know, for anybody that runs a business of any kind right now, the supply chain on Crazy. everything yeah. mm-hmm. is really, really constrained. Like I'm not even talking like, you know, people are talking about, uh, a good example, right? Um, the CEO of Starbucks actually just did an interview last week, and he was talking about how they're having trouble supplying stuff in the bakery section and in the breakfast sandwiches. And it's like, well, you're not getting these supplies from you know from China. Where what's the problem? But if you think about it, well, maybe the plastic wrapping is coming from China. Like everything uh, right uh, now is 100%. hard. Everything yeah. is hard to get. Everything, no matter what you're trying to get. 
it's either hard to get, impossible to get, or super expensive. That's well, pretty much the way it's going. The other thing too is it's a one week delay on something like a plastic. I mean, we we deal with that at Gorton's. A one week delay can mean like a three week lag because oh, yeah. production, you know, production times and getting back on the production. So it's it's funny. It's amazing how one little snag, even if it's a week long, can derail things for like three weeks to a month or more. Right. So, yeah. yeah. You had just started, right. If I, if I have the story correct and if I don't feel free to correct me, but you had just started making this bag and it's like, Oh cool. I'm going to start doing some more wax canvas. And then boom. <laughs> like, Oh, yes. no, you're not yeah. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought, um, I bought like a small amount, just like a few yards in um, black and the Navy just to sort of like test out the material to see if I liked it even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did, it's, it's really cool stuff to work with. Um, and you don't need like a super heavy duty machine for it. So I use my, um, I have like a hybrid industrial slash home machine. That's like a Juki. Um, but it's there, it's like a Juki quilting machine more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that runs it through, you know, with no problem, but Um, yeah, I bought like a couple of yards preliminarily to just sort of like test it out, see how it worked. Um, and then when they sold those bags sold in like a couple of hours, which has never happened to me before. (laughs) So I was like, whoa. Um, but I went on to get more right away and, um, and it was all sold out and the expected uh, restocking date was like December 23rd. Oh my gosh. So, and there you are. Yeah. You have, you have the, the hit that you've always wanted. Yeah. Right. The right? big one. It's like, Oh, these, this is a hit. I can produce it relatively yeah. unexpected compared on inexpensively compared to the leather. And Oh yeah. By the way, no supplies. Yeah. And, right. It oh. felt, it felt like my luck really. <laughs> But you did end up, I think it was just recently you, you were talking about on your stories that you did actually, did you find another supplier or did yes. this? Okay. Yep. So you I did manage to one. find some. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're down in uh, Atlanta or okay. some, it's it maybe Georgia or Alabama. I'm not sure which one, but um, I believe they do millet as well. So they, they oh, make fantastic. the canvas. Yep. They make the canvas, they wax it. Um, so that, you know, that fits in line with all of my other supplies being, uh, like all U S made. Oh, that's interesting. Awesome. So all your, so all your stuff is U S made. That's, that's all your materials. I mean, obviously your stuff is U S made cause you're making it, but yeah. I didn't know that. So all your materials are U S sourced materials also. Yep. Just about everything. Um, That's sometimes great. hardware is spotty, but yes. yeah, definitely mm-hmm. like yeah. the, the leather and the canvas, all of that is a hundred percent, you know, um, yeah. That's all really US. interesting. The hardware, you know, it's funny. It's weird how many overlaps there are with other things. So like the jewelry I make, like I can get any material to make jewelry that I want, right. In the United States, right. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. You want findings? <laughs> Every right. single finding, no matter what it is, pinch bales, lobster claw clasps, snake chains, um, anything, they're all made in China. Like the the right. gemstones themselves are made all over the world. Like you can get gemstones wherever. And, you know, you're never going to get gemstones that are solely sourced in the U.S. It's just not the way it works. But 
I've noticed that like, yeah, and you're saying hardware and I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably coming out of the same factory as the bag of pinch bells I ordered (laughs) shipped from some crazy city in China that I can't even pronounce. And it's, it's just the way it is, right? They don't make them in the United States. They don't, you know, I've, I've tried very hard to find, um, like some U S hardware manufacturing companies. Um, I think I might have a lead on some rivets, but, uh, it's, it's difficult. It's hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it's weird because it's really been amplified by the – it's not even just COVID. Like it's just – there's just a supply strain, right. a supply chain strain everywhere. Like we're all dealing with it in one form or another. I mean woodworkers, you guys, if you're a woodworker, every woodworker has been talking about the price of lumber incessantly for a year or now. It's yeah. like, oh, lumber is really, really expensive. I mean I bought – I had to buy 10 board feet of walnut. Sand S3S, which for those of you that aren't woodworkers means it's sanded three sides. It's not even all four sides. It's not fully sanded. Um, I'm paying $252 for 10 board feet of walnut Oof. now, where wow. I was paying $150 yeah, last year. You know, and I, 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 you know, I build the cost into right. what my customers pay. I, they understand. I think if they don't understand, then they're not the kind of customer I want to deal with anyway. But it's weird how all these things, like everyone is experiencing it all over. And it's worse if you're kind of getting your stuff rolling and you f- start to feel that momentum going. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, good. I got my pricing in sync. I got my materials are all figured out. Everything's worked out. My Everything's perfect. Oh, crap. My raw materials now cost three times what they cost right. last year. Like, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> no, and, and, and you're and you're right, Ben. I mean, it, it be it is because it's so in the news and everything like that. I think there is an awareness of it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, people understand that for materials. But then when you get a finished product, it is a lot harder to swallow just because the the end all be pr- price is so much higher just because of right. you know all the stuff that you put into it. Are you're probably costing the same, right? You're you're not charging more, but they're, the, yeah. they're appreciative of the reason, but not the end price. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, the the other interesting thing though uh, that you brought, like the tanning, is one of the things that's really hard to get U.S. sourced. I think, and I think that's partly, if I'm not mistaken, you might know more than I do, Jamie. But I think that's Wicked and Craig is all it does tanning in the U.S. I don't know of that for sure, but yep. the tan. Go ahead. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, and that is my tannery. Uh, yeah. Okay. They have some really top notch stuff. It's great. Oh yeah. But, but that's, but that's like, I mean, I, uh, and it was actually on clubhouse. I can't remember who was on there, but someone was talking about the fact that even though, you know, 80% or whatever, the leather comes from the U S the tanning process, actually almost all of it happens elsewhere. So you ship the leather from the U S somewhere else to get tanned and then comes back oh, wow. to the U S which really? I had no idea. I didn't know that. Um, but either. that's what. But that's yeah. part of why Wicked and Craig is so awesome. Is because they they are do you know it's all U.S. source. Yeah, which is awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I don't. Know, I can't remember who it was. It was someone that was in. I, I mean, the high end leather goods. But it was. I, I'm totally gonna get this wrong. So anyone that's listening, that uh, correct me. But it was it was something like eighty percent of the leather comes from the U.S. But the like eighty percent of the tanning happens elsewhere outside well, the U.S. Which not is to not. sound like Captain Obvious which yeah. is my moral, my role on the show most of the time, but not to sound like captain obvious, but I think that actually makes sense because it's chemical related mm-hmm. and everything chemical related happens outside of the U S it's yeah. kind of funny, but you know, we're like, no, we don't want to deal with that. Like, no, no, send that to send that to some third world country. Let them deal with it. You know, let them deal with the chemicals, let them deal with the cleanup. Even if it's chemicals that, you know, 
aren't that bad. It's like, no, it's chemical related. Someone else can do that. <laughs> but, that but that's even more reason why it's like, it's amazing when someone is doing it in the U S because they do have all the regulations. Yeah. So you know that it's, you know, it's that much better there for so many reasons, right? You're not shipping it. You're not spending all the, you know, costs to ship it everywhere with all the, whatever. I won't get in my high horse, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but no, but I mean, I think that's, it, it's even more impactful, right? Because it's your, your ripens. And I think, part of the reason is because there's less regulations. And so the fact that they are doing that, you know, they're doing it with all those regulations just makes it that much more. I, I tend special. to, I'll be honest with you. I tend to appreciate, I don't shop based on where something is made. I really don't. I'm not going to lie. Neither, neither do gonna, I. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a lot of people that do, but if it's like, if I'm looking at, you know, something that's made in the U S by hand, and it's in a range and it's, you know, I'm not going to lie again, I have to be able to afford it. Right. Right. But if it's in the range of something I can afford, I'm probably going to go for the one that's made in the United States. Like, it's like, yeah, I feel like I can, I'm supporting like my, I almost feel like you're supporting your neighbor that way. And that's a kind of, I don't know, maybe it's not the most popular way to look at it, but I kind of like looking at it that way. I like, like if, if I, if I needed a bag, if I need a leather bag at this point, I feel like I I know where I'm going to look to see what they have available. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to Etsy to find the cheapest ones. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's something. We, so I know you do. So Jamie, I know you do higher end stuff, but I also noticed you rolled your own e-commerce and I applaud you for that because I don't really like the big e-commerce platforms. So I know you have your own site and you direct all your traffic there. Yeah. Um, was it ever a consideration to do it any other way or is it like, no, we are um, not, we're not racing to the bottom. So the, uh, so I do have an Etsy account and, mm -hmm. um, originally like long, long ago, um, in one of my past, um, <laughs> fashion ventures, I did primarily sell through Etsy. Um, I used to make spiked sunglasses. So <laughs> <laughs> they, okay. Uh, yeah, long. It was uh, 2011, so it was during the whole spike phase <laughs> that everyone like has. <laughs> um, I made spike sunglasses, and I did sell those mostly on Etsy. But at the same time, um, I did. Uh, I got my like my own website going, and uh, my my platform that I use on that is Shopify. So. Mm -hmm. um, excellent platform. It's it's. I recommend it to everyone. It's it's a really great. Um, thing they have going it's it's kind of cool it's kind of cool because you know i feel like when you're not doing the 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 etsy thing and all these you know selling even selling on amazon to an extent i feel like you're kind of taking things into your own hands and like no i'm going to sink or swim based on the effort that i put in and i feel like almost you can't succeed in etsy yeah if you if you aren't in control. Like I, you almost, I don't even know. I don't know how to put into words. I look at what people are doing on Etsy and I've gone to the stores of people I know just to see like, Oh, how are you doing this? Like, what does your stuff look like? Okay. You got these beautiful pictures. You got this nice description. You have all these great reviews that come up on the page. And then in the related items, it's 10 people <laughs> selling the same thing for cheaper. And it's like, yeah, I I'm, I'm your friend, right? Yep. I'm going there to buy from you and that's cool. I'll buy it from you. Yeah. But if I'm just somebody going, I want, you know, a bamboo cutting board custom engraved. I've seen people I get, if I told you what I paid for the bamboo boards that I sell, if I tell you what I paid for the boards, you'd be offended at the price I sell them at. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I get them really, really cheap. 
I see people selling them cheaper than I can make them and ship them. And I oh, don't, wow. I don't understand how you're supposed to compete with that. I'm not even complaining. Go ahead. If you can get them that cheap, just do it. Right. I'm not Fair. saying don't do it, but I don't understand. I just it, like, it, how do you even build a business when you're constantly chasing the bottom of the barrel well, constantly. Vincent, Otherwise you're not making any sales. Vincent, I mean, they're like, and people, and people have reached out for me to make things like, um, you know, desk pads, right. Leather desk pads or, mm-hmm. um, or even the flasks that I've made recently. And quite literally, I can, I can't, I couldn't buy the leather itself. Right. For the price that they're selling. They're selling, they're selling yeah. probably about $10 cheaper than I could even purchase the raw leather from even a, like the best deal possible. It's and yeah, I just don't, yeah. I, that's where I totally don't understand how that business model works. Yeah, I don't know. That, that really blows my mind too. Um, and you know, people that make like small bags and stuff that I right. see and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is for one, it doesn't help with the market perception of, of like good leather goods. Because, um, yeah, I get a, I get a ton of people, like when we go to shows, I get a Mm -hmm. lot of people who are like, whoa, that's the price. No, thanks. And I'm like, let's let's talk. I want to talk about that with you actually, because this is, this is just me genuinely asking because it's something that I'm interested in, but you know, I'm look. I looked at, I've looked at your pricing, Mm -hmm. right. And here's the thing. This is, I'm saying this a hundred percent. As it sounds, don't read anything into it. Your stuff is expensive. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And it's supposed to be. Right. And I was just going to say, it should be. Right. right. And yeah. that's the thing, right? So at what point, at what point in your journey, and this is the kind of the thing that we all go through as makers, especially if we're trying to start a business, but at what point in your journey did you go, I can charge 300 bucks for this bag. And if I don't sell it at 300 bucks, I don't care. Like, how did because that takes that's the hardest thing in the world right like when you're kind of getting your feet under you and you're trying to figure out what your pricing needs to be and where the market is at for the thing that you're making because a lot of people will tell you well you know the pricing for this is this and that's what it should be well yeah that's great but if the market is fifty dollars lower you're never going to sell anything even even if your stuff is worth more you have to kind of be in the neighborhood of the market right yeah so when did you when did you develop the confidence to charge what your stuff was worth over what it was going to get in the market like going for the value of something rather than the yes of selling it how did that how did you develop that or was it just kind of from the beginning you had it um i wouldn't say i had the confidence to charge that much in the beginning um even though i I did because my prices are all based off of a formula that I have with, um, with like the square inches of leather that's in the piece, the hardware, you know, my supplies, materials, my labor, all that stuff. You know, I have like a big spreadsheet, um, formula that I use for it where I just plug and play anymore. But, um, Hmm. I did. So I, I started with those numbers because that's what like retail value would dictate that it Mm -hmm. is. Right. And then I did, you know, market research, seeing my competitors, seeing, you know, similar like quote unquote designer leather bags um, are mostly all just more expensive than mine, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 still... and by the way, when I said yours is expensive, I didn't even mean like in a, like an out of line way. I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, if I'm shopping for a bag, mm-hmm. 300 bucks is, you know, it's, it's, it's high. We yeah. know it's high, right? We yeah. know, but it's, 
you know, we're not talking about value. We're talking about price mm-hmm. and it, 300 bucks is high, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to what? see what people, what people are otherwise charging. And then somebody will come to you. It's like, well, I'm not paying 300 for yours. Well, have you seen what people are charging for bags? Yeah. <laughs> one of the things you hit on Jamie though, and I've, I've heard this from a couple people too, is one of the best ways, and I'm, I'm horrible at this. So <laughs> I do as I say, not as I, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is, is having that formula because, mm-hmm. or, or some type of way of pricing your goods, because what it does is it takes out the element of, which I, I deal with all the time with myself is it takes out the element of feeling like you're overpricing things because there's a formula, right? The formula says that it's worth this. So mm. I don't have to worry. Like I, I don't have to down, you know, to me, I feel like I'm overcharging sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you actually do like what you said, if you actually put down the materials and this is what I've started trying to do more and more is you put down the materials, you put down the time, you put down the design time and all those other things. And it is a absolutely fair price. Yeah. And having that formula kind of helps you or helps people, I think would help people that get in their own way, myself included, kind of, it, <laughs> it takes the, the emotions out of it, I guess is yes. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, it, well, you know, cause I, I've definitely struggled with imposter syndrome forever and right. still do. <laughs> um, but the, like you said, like it really, it takes the emotion out of it. And when you can mm-hmm. do that, um, you know, even though on, you know, even though when I have my bad days, I'm like, oh no, this isn't worth anything. Um, I, you know, consult the that, That's a bad day. That's my every day. <laughs> right? That's Wednesday for me. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of great though, because I, I like the idea of having, having, see what I did wrong. And I would tell anyone, you know, I like that you have a formula for figuring out your prices and you've had it since the beginning because when I started selling stuff, I didn't really have any kind of idea what to sell. And I kind of, I hate to say it and it's embarrassing, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I started out with kind of like, okay, what would I pay for this? And that's the worst advice ever. Never, ever, ever. I forgot who was <laughs> saying it. Somebody I just heard on a podcast was talking about it and they say, never ask what you would pay. Oh, it was um, Ruth Amos on um, on um, Andy's Maker, Maker's Waffle podcast. Um, well, Vincent, I wouldn't pay anything because I make it myself. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm just you definitely do it better, by the way. Um, but I remember saying, I remember saying, what would I pay for this? And yeah. then I was like, okay, how do I get my processes? I work completely backwards, but this is how I did it. I said, how can I get my processes in line with that pricing? And strangely enough, it didn't take long for me to refine my processes to the point where they could make money at that price. Mm-hmm. So when I sell a cutting board, I don't have to think about it anymore. Like in my mind, I'm like, all right, this is like, I, I do tend to give discounts to returning customers, but truthfully, some of the returning customers are getting these discounts have returned four, five, six, seven times. Like I'm, I don't mind cutting into my margins a little bit because I know they're going to come back when they need something. I'm, I've gotten messages from people that just say, Hey, I need a gift for this person. What can you make for me? Right. Like, That's wait, cool. what? Like yeah. I have creative freedom. Like you're not coming to me for a cutting board or coasters or a piece of jewelry that has the right stone. Nope. Tell me what you can make for me. And here's my budget. Can we work in my budget? You're damn right. I can work in your budget just because you came to me and gave me creative freedom. I can do anything you want in your right. budget. <laughs> like, well, 
but the, I just yeah. but I got my processes down to where my stupidity at the beginning didn't burn me. You did it the smart way, and I <laughs> I credit you tremendously for having the forethought to look at it as a business and treat it the right way from the beginning. Because hey, that's what it costs. Like even if the you know if your raw materials go up, well the formula says this is the new price now. That's what it is. I I was wondering and. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ethan, yeah. um, but I was wondering do how much – you don't have to give numbers, obviously, but a lot of people that make stuff, especially boutique-type stuff, and they charge you know, in, you know, in the higher end of the range for non-national brands, mm-hmm. they tend to charge um, – I have completely blanked on my question. I can't believe it. I got <laughs> – Oh, this sucks. This never happens to you. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. My brain is just not functioning 100%. Um, Well, so let me... Yeah, fill in, please. Save me, I'm drowning. (laughs) No, but here's the other thing I was uh, thinking about as you were talking about it, Jamie, too. And I think think it was um, Jenny and Davis. uh, They they do a ton of videos on pricing and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. uh, they did one recently where it was where you, you... your prices also dictate the value, right? So if you price your stuff too low, then it devalues your stuff and people don't value it. If you price it correctly, again, not overpriced, but if you price it correctly for what it is, then they people put value on it and they will pay more, if that makes sense. So, because if you if, if you price something that should be $300 and you, and you price it at 200 then it's like, uh, well, is it, you know, why would I, you know, it's it, the value is 200. That seems really low. Yeah. It must be crap. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. People get, um, there's, there's like a sweet spot in pricing where right. like anything below it and people get like suspicious. They're like, exactly. what is this? Like, is it, <laughs> is it even leather? And you know, then it's like, if you price it too high, um, you know, no one will buy it because they, you know, think it's too high, but, um, the, the, you know, Vincent had, had mentioned earlier that, you know, that I did things quote unquote the right way from the get go. But I also have to say that it is definitely the slow way to do it. Oh yeah. It's taken a long, long, long time to, um, to build up, uh, like a customer base Mm-hmm. And um, people who sort of like see the value for what it is, and and um, at least agree with it or understand that it is worth it. Right. Um, it takes a long time to do that, and I've I haven't gotten to the point yet where I'm you know as busy as I would like to be. But that's sort of my challenge now is is showing value just through the computer screen mm-hmm. and through people's like phone screens, you know. Um, because it's difficult to show that a lot of people will see that and be like, well, I can get one, you know, I can get like a, a cool bag from any of these websites that sell them for 30 bucks. And the, the hardest part of, of what I'm trying to do is, um, convincing people or showing people that it is, you know, worth that, that big ticket price point. Totally. Right. Yeah. I remembered okay. after swatting the fly that completely distracted me into the point of forgetting my question. <laughs> I actually remembered where I was going. I, I'm very curious about this because I know for myself, um, a bulk of what I do is custom made on demand. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. How, I, you don't, you definitely don't have to give a number. I don't, you know, obviously I'm not expecting you to give me a number, but I am curious to know, do you maintain, um, do you maintain an inventory of any consequence or is it like one or two pieces of this? Maybe this one I'll make on demand or how much inventory are you carrying? Cause I know that that's one of the biggest concerns when you start producing something yourself is, you know, can I produce them fast enough to make them on demand? Which the answer to most people, unless you're exceptionally good at what you do, is pretty much no. Or if your customer base is small enough that you can say, yeah, I can make them on demand. But I'm assuming you have some level of inventory and how, like, that's got to be a little bit nerve wracking at times, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so, very- like, yeah. Is, do you keep, how do you how do you figure out and I know that there are you know there's ways to calculate based on sales you can kind of project how many of something you're going to need mm-hmm. but you know in your initial run of something especially something new it's got to mm-hmm. be like I would be a nervous wreck and I'm wondering how you cope with inventory and projecting what your sales are going to look like and I know that for people that don't run a business I know this isn't as interesting but we don't really get into the nitty gritty with somebody that actually has a business so that's why we're right. asking these kind of questions. I promise it's not going to be business for the rest of the podcast, but I'm really, really curious. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as well. For this sure. is the kind of information that they don't tell you when you start making stuff to turn and turn yeah. it into a business. Well, so, And, and I have, a, I have a, a secondary question after you answer that, because I'm interested cool. in this um, as well. Yeah. So I, um, I have an inventory that is uh, roughly, well, so I've been going since 2017 now on a very Mm -hmm. steady basis with the, like the current brand and the designs and everything. Um, so I have a few years of, you know, understanding like the, the ebb and the flow of like retail sales. Um, and I have, um, so I have a pattern more or less, like I know July is usually pretty dead. Mm -hmm. Um, holidays are wild, you know, as they are for everyone. But, um, as it, as it kind of, you know, as it kind of sits, I usually keep one of every style in every color option that I have on hand at all times. Plus, um, sometimes duplicates. If I know that it's like a hot ticket item, if it's something I sell a lot of, um, and then through like starting in July, Continuing through the holiday season, um, I will start to make multiples of everything just so I can have um, stock built up for the holiday season so I don't have to turn people away. Cool. Um, And yeah, but I do, I have... I have inventory and it's sometimes the bane of my existence. Yeah. <laughs> it is I'd, scary. Yes. I have a bin. I have a bin of stuff and I'm probably going to just run a clearance on a lot of it soon. Yeah. Like stuff that I made as I literally made as inventory items for my shop. And it's just like, you know, I got to get rid of this stuff. Like right. there comes a point where you just go, yeah, okay. Just eat it and get something out of it and hope for the best. It, it hurts though. Cause like you mm-hmm. put, you put time into it. You put effort into it. You put, I mean, for me, I'm talking smalls, like nothing, none of the major stuff is sitting here. That's all gone. But I'm looking at like, I'm looking at your stuff thinking, oh man, if I had to part with that, just oh, right. like, yeah. fire sale, like, I'd be heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. right. like, well, oh. So here's my question. And, and, and this might not be, but I'm interested in both your opinions on this. Um, and it's coming from where think about if, if you know, my, my business, like, or at least kind of my business model is, 
I'm, I do a lot of one-offs. I do a lot of commissions and stuff like that, but I don't have like a, a running whatever, but I do, I do want to set up my a store on my website and stuff like that, just to have some place that people can go. So, but I don't, I, I'm not, so I'm not running a business, right? I'm not doing, it's not my full gig. Mm-hmm. So part, what, one of the things I was kind of thinking of is most of the time I can make something and turn it around pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Most day, most, most weeks, most times, and the stuff I'm, the stuff I make doesn't, isn't super labor intensive. So I can usually turn it around, but my thought was, you know, there's, I can have a carry a little inventory, but put in some kind of disclaimer and tell me true, truly, if you think this is a horrible idea, but for my style, it would it be like, it, I'm almost thinking of putting something like I make everything hand, you know, custom made, um, to order. And, and it usually takes two weeks or so, but if you need it quicker, you know, if there's circumstances you need it quicker, let me know. And I can see what I can do. Something like that to kind of, because most of the time I can, but that way it gives me, it gives me an out if I can't. Yes. I have a theory, but Jamie, you want to, you want to take crack at it first? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I say that's, that's a great idea to do. Um, the, like the, the two week standard time plus, you know, Hey, let me know if you need this faster. Um, I think that's pretty solid. Okay. I think, I think, I think that works. I again, think I again, would... for my, from what, what I'm doing, I think so, it's, yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal, right? So there are a couple of things on my site that, okay, a couple of examples, and I'll tell you why I think what you're talking about is the right way to do it. So the, if you've purchased one of my broken heart t-shirts or mm-hmm. any of the broken heart merch, I don't make that. Um, that's fulfilled by Printful. Right. It's on my store. You don't know it's coming from Printful unless I tell you it's coming from Printful. But it comes from me. You get the packaging from me and everything. But Printful makes them and ships them. I Once you order it from me, it's out of my hands. I have no control over it, whatever. Okay. And there's inherently a little bit of a lag because it's a There's third a party. huge right. lag, yes. right? So the, the minimum time for anything from Printful is 10 days. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's like I can't have someone order from me where everything in my store ships for free just because people like free shipping. Yeah. So everything <laughs> in my store ships for free. And I just upped all my prices to account for my shipping and everybody's happy. So everybody's happy. But the stuff from Printful, for example, right? I have the pricing for the shipping and I explain to people that, hey, there's a $7.50 shipping charge. I cannot get you free shipping from Printful. They charge too much. So this is all in there. And anything you order that has the broken hearts um, design on it, that is going to take up to two weeks to ship from the fulfillment center. That's all. And it works. Like I have custom Mm -hmm. malas on my website. That's one of the things I sell. I sell a lot of those. Mm -hmm. But people that order them, they know when they order it, it says right on the site could take could take up to a week to get it. I think if if they know they're you're getting some. First of all, most of my customers are getting something custom anyway. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're expecting there to be a lag. Usually, I end up over delivering and under promising, which is something that I think is good. So if you set the expectation that, hey, it's a week to 14 days and you deliver it in a week, you're not going to train them to expect it in a week, but they're going to be very, very happy with you for giving it to them in a week. Definitely. Actually, there was a study and Jason Stapleton has talked about this a million times, just to give you an example of how well that actually works. So there was, um, there was, I think it was in the UK They did a study where um, with train times, right? And they asked the average person that took the train, you know, how how are the trains? Do they run on time? Do they run on time? And the average person answer was like 70 something percent of them said, no, they don't run on time. 
what they found out is that when people look at the train schedule and the train schedule says 701, this train arrives and the train arrives at 702, that's not <laughs> real. No realistic, no realistic person looks at that and says that's late, right? Right. But, you know, people start getting frustrated minute by minute by minute by minute. So what they did, and it was absolute genius. It was a stroke of genius. The satisfaction level overall when they did that survey was like low. It was in the low 30s, I think it was, or the mid 30s. So what they did is they went back and they said, okay, how can we get this number up? And they said, well, this train consistently arrives at 702, right? Why, don't we, why <laughs> don't we tell people that the schedule is 710? Yeah. And they're like, but you, you can't tell people the train's arriving at 710. No, 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 no. We're going to tell them it's arriving at 710. It's going to arrive at 702. So we expect it to be there at 701. It arrives at 702, but we've told all the customers it's arriving at 710. So as far as the customers are concerned, it's arriving eight minutes early. They did this experiment. They ended up finding out that the satisfaction went up something like to 80%, 85% from 30. <laughs> they didn't change anything, by the way. They changed. They actually changed nothing. All they changed was the expectation level for when that train was going to arrive. And then they exceed, they beat their expectation level that they had set, which was artificially high to begin with. Brilliant. So, but that, that guy, that, that guy that shows up at 707 is super pissed. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he ran. You know yeah. he ran to get there at 707 too. <laughs> but it's just, it's, you know, yeah. it's the kind of no, that's totally. what I think shipping is, right? It's like as long as you are over delivering or I and you know, I, I don't like the idea of meeting the bare minimum for standards. Like if you tell someone two weeks, you don't want to get it there on day 14. I mean, I know that's what you tell them. There are ex- there are expectations by the com- the complications of the right. product itself. Like if I tell someone a cutting board's coming in a week, and I get it to them a month later, I'm never going to sell a cutting board to that customer again. Like it's right. just not going to happen. Not going to buy from me. But if I tell a customer in a week and I get it to them in three days, well, guess who's coming back to me the next time they need a cutting board? Yep. <laughs> you know, right. So I think that I think you're on the right track. And I yeah, think that, I, yeah, okay. I, but I think if I were you, mm-hmm. if I were you. I would have, I can't imagine, don't take this the wrong way, but I can't imagine you're going to have like a million products, right? No, no, exactly. So I would say have one, do what, do what Jamie does. Have one of everything. Oh yeah. Easily. And while, you know, as soon as that one sells, Hey, okay, I got to replenish that inventory and you can mark it as you can have different levels of stock too. You could say, okay, in stock, out of stock, or you could say in stock, in stock plus two week delay. Right. You know, so you can yeah, say, okay. And I, I think, I mean, I, I, I mean, exactly. Nice. I can make a, you know, I can make 10 of those. It, it, no time. It's, it's right. not carrying a lot of inventory. It's, it, but it, it's more of the custom stuff, right? It's like, if you mm-hmm. want a custom catch all. Custom is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Though. Yes. See, but, I but, don't even have like, for the most part though, my custom stuff's not on the site. I will, we can discuss, I will quote you. You will accept the quote, and then we'll go. One, then we'll be doing business, and right? That's the, and that leads me to the, the second part of it, and that's kind of my thought process as well. Is is that if I have leather catch-alls, for example, right? Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, people want them custom, but mm-hmm. I think what I how I would approach it is have a couple standard ones that are just yep. kind of classic, yep, ready to go, and a custom option can take up to two weeks, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So, yep. so that, or, or more, and you know, price might be different too, but um, yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's I ran, uh, helpful. I ran into a situation today where a customer came back to me and she's like, Hey, this board I ordered from you, I need two more. I'm like, I don't have the wood. I literally said, I don't have the wood. I said, that doesn't mean I can't get the wood. It just means that you're going to wait, you know, 
five to seven days just for me to get the wood and then another right. couple of days for me to make it. I said, she said, well, I don't really need you to make that specific board. She goes, if you can, if you know, whatever you can make, I trust you. I'm like, okay, cool. You've just cut the delay down to like a couple of days now because now I can right. go downstairs and go, okay, what do I have? I can make a board out of this. I know what she likes because she's ordered before. Okay, I can figure this out. So You're getting a pine and <laughs> you know almost and and it's funny too, Jamie, because I almost feel bad. <laughs> don't say this, like this the wrong way. <laughs> I almost feel bad for you because you're kind of limited. You can't just go. Oh, I'll just make that out of a different material. Nope. Yeah, that's not the <laughs> exactly, way it works. Right. Yeah, I yep. want that bag that looks like that. If I want a palace, right, it better yeah. have the right loops on it. Like you're not, you know, you're not doing squares on it. They're circles, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of of stress behind you know being able to source the exact right stuff all the time and making sure that it never changes because mm-hmm. some of the hardware suppliers, um, they'll change, you know, one of the examples is like my, uh, the trigger snaps that I have on the, um, on the crossbody straps that, you know, hook onto the bag that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll change in shape from time to time. It's nothing drastic, but it's still, it definitely stresses me out. It's not what's in the out. photo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. It'll stress me out really bad. And it's like, calm down. You know, no one's going to be like, oh man, this has a, you know, um, like an angled part <laughs> where the leather connects to it instead of like totally rounded. And I'm just like, Oh man, they're gonna they're gonna call me. They're gonna want a refund. It's gonna be a whole thing. Have you I, I have you had also, to take uh, a product off the off the site or take it down or stop selling it because you or had to rejigger it and redo it because you couldn't get hardware anymore? Has that happened or? Um, it hasn't. Let me see. Hmm. I feel like I feel like it has at some point. Um, but. I can't remember the exact situation, but I think it was something along the lines of like, I had a very specific product that had a super specific piece of hardware on it. Mm -hmm. And the way that I found that hardware, it was like kind of a one-off or like a little bit of a lot sale where I bought a whole lot at the time and Mm. I didn't know it going into it. But when I went to back to buy more, um, I couldn't find them anymore. So I did, mm. you know, at that point I just had to take it off the site, but, um, I do, I'm, I'm pretty strict with, uh, sourcing things. It takes, it takes a lot of my time. <laughs> you know, Jamie, that, I mean, as you say that, that's one of the things too, that I've realized as I've, I'm doing more and more leather work is finding a good, you know, a Wicked and Craig or someone I can rely mm-hmm. on that will produce the same same leather yeah. because mm. I mean, even, you know, so I, 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 and I love district leather. I think like, I love them for a couple of reasons. Cause I can, you know, they do little panels and stuff like that. So I can get a good variety, but mm-hmm. I've committed to, to people uh, like the hand, uh, pull handles that I made, uh, for the, her desk and, uh, even, and even the cuts all handles and stuff like that. I committed to a, a, a batch of them. And then I come to find out that they can't even get the leather. And I'm, now I'm like, I'm screwed, right? So forming, I, I think forming a relationship with with a company that I can rely on to get me the same leather is super important. And I never thought about that because it, it was always on their website until it wasn't. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's usually way to put it. It was always there until it wasn't. Yeah. Yep. I had the same thing. I had the same thing with findings. Like there was, yeah. um, there were a couple of, there were a couple of findings that I was using regularly, and all of a sudden it's like, uh oh, well, where'd they go? Like, and they're not the same. 
and they kind I bought I bought from a couple of different places trying to find new ones and it's like oh, that 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 and it, it's like pinch bales so for those of you that make jewelry you know but if you don't it's not terribly important but the point is that the quality varies also mm-hmm. and you know you think oh I'm just getting these look the same they're going to be the same no <laughs> it doesn't always work that way either yeah. and I can only imagine that as you get into like yeah, the trigger loops and stuff like that. Like I can only right. imagine, you know, you put it in the spring doesn't work as nice. It's like, oh crap. You know, like what do you do then? You know, hopefully they'll take them back, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a pretty unique style. Um, and it's what makes your stuff pretty awesome. But I'm wondering who your inspirations were or how you who do you look for for even if it's not to copy, because I don't think inspiration has anything to do with copying. I think it's just like people that kind of, oh, I like the direction that goes. Maybe let me give a let me give my spin on that. Like, who's your who are your inspirations, your role models? Like, who do you look to in your work, and who inspires you? Um, I would say that uh, when I'm when I'm looking for like bag design inspiration, um, I usually try to work off of you know like abstract shapes. Um, I like things that I see in paintings. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, mm-hmm. like I, we'll go to the art museum, not super often, but once or twice we've been there and I see, you know, like the Cleveland, mu- mu- <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> Museum of Art. Um, they had like a Dali painting and, um, you know, seeing that in person was super awesome. But the sort of like the twists and the turns that uh, that Salvador Dali uses are really cool to look at. And, um, you know, like shapes in trees or like the structure of like the rib cage or like different bones. Um, those are I definitely all... get some rib cage vibe. I yeah. get some rib cage vibes. Oh, I, yeah, no, yeah. I now. All right. Yeah. Yep. I was thinking I was thinking corsets and rib cages, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely the, getting the that. Palace okay. is definitely For the, the palace, rib cage yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I can totally see that. All right, cool. It's it worked. Yeah. It worked perfectly because it was so subtle that we didn't realize what we why we thought it until you said that. So yeah. Yeah. perfect. Cool. Wow, the plan the plan is going accordingly. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> so what's the what's the next like I know you're starting out with the you're starting out with wax canvas and now that the kinks are somewhat ironed out <laughs> kind of yeah. pun intended, but not really. <laughs> um what is next? Like are you is there a product line that you're looking to move into? Is there some is there some way you want to expand what you're making already? Is there something you're not making yet that you want to start making? Or because um, when we had Leanne and Nick on, they mentioned hats, and I was like, yeah. "Wait, and now they're what? crushing those <laughs> yeah. hats, doubling like, down." I love are, it. Yeah. Yes, that's so, so that's been so fun that. to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if I if I'm thinking of anyone that's going to be into hats, I mean, geez, is there anyone more into hats than Leanne? Yeah. I mean, I know. I think it was on. I think it was on the clubhouse thing, and she was asking like if it was on brand. I think everyone was like. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's a hundred percent on brand. It's like, not only on brand, it's the brand. It's the <laughs> brand, exactly. So is there anything like that for you that you're looking forward to getting started with or? Um, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm working on the canvas stuff. So I have, um, a few more canvas tricks up my sleeve. I'm cool. working on like a backpack, maybe some smaller pouches, um, possibly like a duffel bag of some sort. 
um, because oh. of the Harley bag, you know, that, that went over really well with people. Um, I would like to make, you know, my own duffel bags that are just like, you know, my, my regular leather, but, um, I would like to get into some motorcycle gear as well. Like some, it almost seems like a natural fit for you, by yeah, the way. Like yeah. almost like something like Harley Davidson. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, those. That... Log in through the Google Home. Oh, Jesus! Oh. Thank you. My smart speaker in my office just decided to wake up. Oh, um, nice. So I have to ask. I have to ask the story of. So I posted for those of you that follow me on Instagram. You saw it. I think it was two weeks ago. I think you you did it for Father's Day. You did a bag for your dad, and. It was just absolutely fantastic. Thank like, you. Ab- absolutely fantastic. It's one of my, I like the stuff you make and we've talked about the stuff you make a million times and I've told you a million times how much I love it, but I got to be honest with you. I think my favorite thing that you've ever made is that Harley bag. Like it is just so perfect. So you've awesome. got to tell the story of this bag. And for those of you that, for those of you that don't remember it or just check out Jamie's feed, it's right near the top. It's it was, the, um, it's uh, the, Three, four, fifth it, one back so yeah it's also oh, and it might be different by the time this it's june 25th fun, but, so yes. find the yeah. june 25th post <laughs> it's a beautiful harley davidson bag and i'm like wow this is really i'll be honest with you when i saw the picture my first reaction was wow she did something branded like that's weird <laughs> yeah. and then i read the story and i'm like oh crap this is so freaking cool so why don't you tell us the story how that bag came to be and what it is because it's definitely an awesome project yeah. So, um, so back in 2018, it's been a few years now, but, um, my parents unfortunately had, um, they had a house fire and they, uh, most of the house was totally destroyed and along with everything in it. Um, and one of the rooms that didn't have too much damage, um, were, it was like their bedroom, they had their closets And so when we were working through, like, um, you know, we, after, after a fire happens, you have to pick through everything and, um, sort of, you know, salvage what you can. Mm -hmm. And I was in the way back of their closet. That was like a spare closet. They were never in. Um, (laughs) I was like digging through stuff and I, felt like all these leather like jackets and like just a bunch of like leather stuff and I was like no way so I dragged it out and um my stepdad was there with us and he was he laughed because it was his old like Harley gear that he Mm. wore you know like in the early 2000s he was you know he had a bike and he had like snowmobiles and stuff And, um, so it was all this like really great, um, I'll have to post a picture of the other jacket that I got because it's like purple and gold and there's like a big lightning strike on the back, but it's like (laughs) super like eighties, nineties. And as long as it's not a starter jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, but it's uh there was just like a whole bunch of like old motorcycle stuff in there and I'm like this is super cool and when I you know like held it up and showed it to him he laughed and he's like I forgot all about those like those you know like they were my old chaps (laughs) and I was like like I kind of looked at him and I was like do you want these anymore and he's like no like I'm not ever gonna wear those again and Mm. um so 
right? Cool. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, that's that's an idea. So I stuffed them in a bag, took them home with me, and um, I let them. They they aired out like in my basement for uh, was like a year and a half to get the smell out. Um, oh, yeah, and I like went back to them and I ripped the lining out and um, you know washed it really well. And which that was another, you know, that was another lesson for me in leather care because uh, I had to sort of like clean them pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was surprising because they were, you know, obviously they were like mass produced Harley stuff, but it was pretty good leather. Like it was, it was pretty nice stuff that they used and the stitching was pretty good. So it was kind of a double treat for me because I got to see like how you know, their manufacturers put it together and um, the techniques that they used, it was really cool to see. Um, So I, you know, got to work putting, uh, or I guess taking them apart and making them into this duffel bag because I try to think of like something he would use all the time. And uh, because he, you know, wouldn't use the chaps anymore, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I came up the duffel bag and uh, it was, it was a very scary process of cutting into those chaps. Oh yeah. Cause you only get one shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no do overs. Like you can't just yep. go, I'll just get another piece of material and try again. This is the material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I very, very carefully and meticulously cut them apart and used all of their original hardware for the, like the new hardware on the bag, like the zipper. And um, I guess all the zippers on it are all original still. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's insane. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. I I mean, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool when I thought you redid it. It's even cooler now that I know you repurposed all the stuff from the original. That's Vincent, I thought it was cool before I, and shame on me for not reading the description. (laughs) Oh, no, no, it was a long (laughs) one. You're good. (laughs) No, because, but I I write super long descriptions. So I, (laughs) I'm, I'm, uh, I should be better about it, but, but I thought it was an awesome before any of the story, let alone that. That's incredible. I can't believe that you repurpose all the zippers and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, it was uh, everything. Everything on the chaps I used and oh even the, the waistband on them. Um, I took that off and put a piece of like strap weight leather mm-hmm. in like in the middle of it. Like I stuffed it all the way up and stitched it back down. So the um, the original waistband, it was a really cool belt with like these oblong um, Those like things grommets. are awesome. They're so awesome. They're so so cool. Jamie, Jamie, next time you do this, I'm going to come out and, and film it for a YouTube video because I would love to see the process of all of this. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh I've, my gosh, it's, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by all of that. That's so cool. Yeah, it was, f- it was cool. It was uh, super daunting, but I was really happy oh, yeah. with the outcome. And he was just like super floored by it because um, it was a couple or it was like a year and a half later that I gave it back to him. And I was like, hey, happy. It was I think it was like a late Merry Christmas for him. <laughs> so cool. It, That's got to be my, one of the coolest things. Ever. One of the yeah. best things in the caption is in the captions. The last line says bonus pick at the end. One of the gnarliest bag turns <laughs> I've ever had to do. And what I'm what what it shows for those of you that are on an audio medium, which is everybody. Um, basically, there's a tiny oh, little yeah, unzip yeah, yeah. hole <laughs> yeah. and you see the outside. Of, so <laughs> a bag turn basically. And I think I understand what you're 
what this is when you basically you make everything in reverse and then you have to pull it from being inside out to right, right. side. You think about mm-hmm. you think about it like a pillow. You saw yeah. a pillow yes. and then you flip so it inside out. Right? This yeah. one is this one is like pulling this whole bag. It's like the bag's giving birth to itself. Yeah. It's the most bizarre looking thing I've ever seen. And I I would like that's the moment where you really hope you stitch that zipper well. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was extremely nerve wracking and it, it took like forty five minutes and I'm like it's it's very like uh Ethan, have you done like a bag turn? Nope. And, okay. and, I, and, <laughs> nope. and, and I haven't done zippers either. All of this is like I'm a little I'm like kind of sweating a little bit just yeah. thinking about this, but <laughs> it is it's so like it's such a it's a very physical, like you have to be right. really strong to do it, and I'm not super strong myself. So I, I was think like, you gotta be patient too, just, right? You can't yeah. force it because that's yeah. it, when you force it is when you mess something up. Yes. Right? Like it a lot of the parts take like a extended period of time where you're like applying a lot of pressure also. And oh. it's uh <laughs> it, was, it was like forty five minutes and I was all like I was like panting and like sweaty by the end of it. I was just like, oh my gosh. Wow. And <laughs> I believe it. Oh my god. I'm 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 sweating. I'm not even doing yeah, right. it. <laughs> I would be I'd be panicking. I'd be totally panicking. Like that is really the moment. I guess you know, everybody has that moment. It's like when, when for me at that moment is when I take something I just made and put it in the laser to engrave it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh God, do I have to do this? Do I have to do this? So yeah, I can only that's... imagine like, you know, you stitch this whole thing in reverse and you, you're going to find out two things very quickly uh. once you turn it. <laughs> Number one, how good did I stitch this? Number two, did I stitch it straight? Because if right. you didn't mm-hmm. stitch it straight, that bag sits there looking like Gumby's head. Yeah. It's like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's like did I, you know, did I think about this in the right way and cuz pattern making is is my favorite part of the whole process and Oh really? Mhm. That's interesting. That's yeah. usually favorite. the part that like the plan that would that would be what we would generally look at as the planning stage and most people hate planning yeah, just like yeah. go, go, go. Yeah, but i've actually but it, it's funny you said that because i've actually started forcing myself to make templates and stuff as i go oh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah because but but it's because i i get burned so many times when someone then you know something i make as a one-off that i'm like no one's ever gonna want this and then mm-hmm. like three people are like ah, i want can you make one i'm like ah, oh, if i had only made a template right. as i went <laughs> But like it who is the hell's super... going to want a leather wrapped exacto knife? Like who would who would even? That want was that? a throwaway project. <laughs> was it really? Well, it was. It was. Uh, I, I've said it on the before, but it was. Uh, I whenever we take vacations, I have a as probably people aren't going to be too surprised. I have a really hard time like just sitting still on vacation. No, and yeah. <laughs> So, so anytime we take vacations, I find like, I'm like, try to find something that I can bring with me. And so I brought three X-Acto blades and did three different leather wrapped X-Actos. And I was just thinking it was like a fun little like vacation project. And then I posted all three of them and I had people vote. And it was like the next day I had like 20 orders. It was like the stupidest thing ever. So that's, but that's, but that's a lesson to be uh, learned is that, Never underestimate, you know, never take anything for granted because you never know what's going to take off. So. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Um, and that's, you know, the the process of like, you're just making something versus, you know, you have to stop after you start to make it. And you're like, wait, I have to, you know, trace this out, make a pattern right, document of it. it. Yeah, yep. that's it's hard. And still like I've, you know, I've, I'm making um, like a lot of plant hangers lately. Mm hmm. 
And the first few started out as just like fun little one-off things. And I'm like, haha, maybe someone will want this. And, yep. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, yeah, a lot of people wanted them. A lot of someone. Um, See, that's yeah. the difference. Though, is that you, you, you laugh and you're like, huh, maybe someone would like, I'm like, no one will ever want this. I don't need to make a template. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing though how terrible we are to ourselves? I always think that mm-hmm. like yeah. no Absolutely. one's going to want this. This is stupid. This is the dumbest thing I ever made. I made I made a one-off. I was experimenting with some some silver ink in resin. And I made a couple of things out of a mold. And one of my friends is like, that is gorgeous. I would buy that in a second. And I was so flattered. I just gave it to her. I was like, you can have it. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you promise to wear it, you can have it because I just can't even believe you liked it that much. You right, know? right, yeah. right. And, and those are those moments where you realize that you don't always know what is going on with the people that would potentially buy your stuff. Yeah. You don't always know. Like, it's almost humbling to go, oh, I had no idea that people would be interested in that. And look at that. Like, you know, Ethan, Ethan thought, you know, his pricing was too low on his exactos. And I'm like, dude, you should be charging more. Right. Like I got, I got one in my hand and I'm like, this is, I remember I took it inside. I showed it to my wife. I said, you look at the stitching on this damn thing. (laughs) I remember thinking like, I've never seen stitching that small. And I knew you did it by hand because there's no other way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't even understand. Like, I don't even understand. And, you know, and you're like, yeah, I sell it for this. I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. Yep. More. You need yeah. to sell for more. Probably more than what I'm telling you, but definitely more than right. what you think it's worth. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? And the, the sales only increased. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because it's the right – because it's worth it, right? Because right. It's always – price and value are – loosely correlated they are not exact correlations and absolutely it's the same thing with content too and again i I know that i'm probably the most content related but the that i made uh the simplest card wallet ever uh last friday literally i made it in the afternoon because i just needed to make something because i had been you know working on spreadsheets and stuff all all week and i made that and i posted it it's blew up like for, <laughs> i have no idea why and i made the i made the it literally took me more time to set up the camera angles than it did to <laughs> make the it's wallet and it's a super simple and i think it's probably why it's a super simple wallet. but it's like it's got like six thousand something views and like 600 something likes which is oh, wow. huge for me that's, that's huge cool. for me yeah, yeah. Doesn't it, doesn't it like, it, it kind of, it's kind of weird, right? Like, cause you make, when you make something that pops and people go crazy for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I have to get more of into my shop and I just haven't had time to make them and I hadn't had the wood to make them, but I make, you know, what I call book things and I mm-hmm. see other people make them and they're selling well for them. And I'm like, dumbass, you got to get some more of them back in your shop. Like get downstairs, turn on Tweaky, stick a piece of wood in, let it, let it cut out 10 more of them and get them right. up for sale. Right. But you never know. Your your dumbest idea, your simplest thing, mm-hmm. the one thing that's like, oh, no one's going to buy, no one's going to buy a leather plant hanger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are going to buy yeah. it, right? but you haven't yeah. put it up for sale yet, so you'll never know. <laughs> right? and, and that's that's the thing. Like I've gotten, I got to a point and I've, I, I feel like I need to get back into that where I was just, I said, I'm going to make at least one piece of jewelry every other day mm-hmm. and i would go oh, like yeah. i would say okay new in the shop new in the shop new in the shop you know how much of that stuff is left nearly none of it like right. it all sold like i was just making it and putting it up just to have stuff in the shop and but even if 50 percent of it sold exactly 50% of yeah. more than 
what you would have sold if you hadn't done it, right? Yeah, because what would have happened? What ended up happening was I just got better at making stuff because I was getting in the reps, and you know me and getting in the reps. I'm big on getting in the reps, (laughs) but let's um let's switch gears a little bit and talk about things of the week. Now, I am very excited to hear what Jamie has brought to the table because I don't know. We don't. We never know what the guests bring to the table, so I'm very curious to know what Jamie has brought to the table for her thing of the week. All right. So uh, my thing of the week is Weaver Leather Master Tools. Ooh. Um, They are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You have Ethan's attention. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, They're hands down um, my favorite machines that I have. Just in like any category of machines that I have from them. Um, so they, so Weaver Leather is, they're actually here in Ohio. Um, and they're, they're like between Cleveland and Columbus. So they're about like, um, like an hour, hour and a half away from me. So I can pick up machines from them when I, when I do decide to get them. But, um, they have a line of, they're mostly like hand operated machines and they're all made by Weaver in Ohio. So they are, you know, machines made in the United States, which is extremely hard to find. Um, but they have all sorts of like, they have a hand press for rivets and any other like snap and attachments they have called the little wonder. That was Uh the first one that I had from them. Um, that was a real game changer because it's, yeah, I've been looking at that one. Yeah. (laughs) 10 out of 10, I recommend that. Um, and then they have one that's a, a multifunction foot press, which I think they should have called the Big Wonder because it's, <laughs> it's a gigantic floor standing little wonder. And um, I got that last year just for rivets uh, because they do a whole lot of rivet work. But um, that has been hands down my favorite machine of all time and favorite tool in general. It's, and by hands down, you mean because it's hands free? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. But don't. Oh my gosh. Oh that, wow. This is, this is oh. that's painful. I'm you know, sorry. in a couple of weeks, I just want everyone to know. In a couple of weeks, I am going to have a soundboard for the show for moments like that. I <laughs> that will be it. perfect. Oh, it's either going to be it's either going to be a drum a drum hit or it's going to be a car crash. But it's going to be some kind of sound effect <laughs> that I can play when crash. one of us. Yeah, I'm, I support the car crash. <laughs> there, there's no reason to not know when one of us bombs. Go ahead, yep. <laughs> go ahead, Jamie. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, yes, sorry, Jamie. Uh, but that was pretty much, you know, that's pretty much it. They have, um, they also have like a strap edger. They have um, uh, like a revolving hole punch where you just put the strap in it and you you know, you crank the crank on the side of it and it just punches exactly spaced holes throughout your leather strap for however long you want it to go. Um, which I don't have one of those yet, but I do drool over it all the time. <laughs> those are the kind of production tools though, that save just tons oh, yeah. and tons, yeah. and tons of time. I yep. can only imagine in a pr- production environment, what that would be like to go from hand making stuff to, are right, you still hand making it because you're doing the machine, but yeah. you know, having a machine that can just go tick, 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 tick. Okay. I just punched six holes in yes. like three seconds. Yep, well, I think like they, belts and... and they ha- and they have a hand cranked sewing machine. I, cause I know I saw Bob, uh, Bob has it. Yep. Yeah. Bob has that one, uh, which is like the good version of the cheap one I have, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah I do. I've seen that one. I haven't really like, seen anything about it so much but it looks really cool. yeah i mean i think if you if you're gonna if you're gonna do it you should get 
a machine like you have, you know, I think it's worth it if you're going to do a lot of production work to not yeah. have the hand crank. But yeah, yeah, great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, they. I, I've seen more and more Weaver stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I have very little. Like, I haven't been exposed to them much, um, but they—they're such a good brand. I know they. I mean, they're really, really a solid brand and super supportive. And to your point, a lot of it is U.S. made, if not all of it. And yeah, so they seem like yeah. a super great company. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, it's I, cool. I mean, I'm not even a leather guy, and I feel like I like. I feel like I know them as a company pretty well, so. You know, if I know them, that means they're big in our community, which right. is, mm-hmm. you know, they they sponsor. I mean, they sponsor Jimmy. They sponsored Bob. They've sponsored. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It, Bob, um, Jimmy's done a lot with Weaver, oh, actually. Yeah. Almost everything he's done leather-wise has been with Weaver. It's kind of it's kind of cool, oh, actually. Awesome. To see, yeah. Like, oh, Jimmy's doing leather. We all need to do leather. Yeah. The memo's <laughs> out. Jimmy says do leather, everybody. Well, okay, and, uh, we're good. <laughs> and uh, one of, and one of my favorite. Uh, like actual learning YouTube leatherworking channels is a uh, quarter leather. I think he's actually oh, yeah. in, um, yeah. he, I think he's on the Cape actually. I gotta, I gotta try to connect with him somehow. Uh, but he, yeah, he, he does videos <laughs> for them and cool. uh, yeah. So Weaver's awesome. Yes, definitely. Um, all right, I'll have, I'll have a link. I'll have a link to the tools that we talked about, or at least <laughs> probably not all the tools. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a link to Weaver's <laughs> website, but you guys heard the description. If you want details, it's in there. I'll send you to the site. You can find it. It'll be there. I promise. Um, Ethan, you want to go next? Yeah, mine's super simple this week. Uh, and I've and by I've super to... simple, you mean you have one? Yes, I have one. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I have one, and it's not super uh, earth shattering or anything. But um, and I've talked about a lot of finishing finishes in the past. But um, I this weekend I finally got um, Odie's oil. You know, and, I was writing ooh. that before you said it, by yes. the way. I just no, want I'm, you to I, know I was writing it because I was expecting it. Okay, you know cool. me, Vincent. You know me. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, so I got it. So after, you know, after seeing a ton of people, Bruce and, you know, uh, coffee, you know, a bunch of people you, like swear by it. Mm-hmm. I got, I finally bought it because it, it's, it is a high price point for the size, yep. right? Like, it, I mean, if you went, as we were talking about earlier prices, right? But if you, if you look at the jar, it looks it's like 55 bucks or something like that for, for the jar. So it's super kind of, it seems super expensive, but a little goes a long way. And that's what everyone always told me. So I, I finally pulled the plug, got it. And I used it on, uh, on the piece that I made and I posted about tonight on Instagram. And it is, it is pretty awesome. It really is. It's super simple to apply. I mean, uh, you know, I love simple finish as well, as you know, Vincent, but, mm-hmm. um, I would say this is equally as easy, if not easier to apply. It's a, you just use a Scotch-Brite pad, you wipe it on, and you really don't even have to buff it out. I mean, I, I kind of worked it in and it dried and it looked beautiful. And the smell is like insane. It really does. I, I can't even describe. It's kind of like a, got like a lemony smell. It doesn't smell toxic at all. And uh, so it's a very enjoyable experience to use. And the, the result is amazing. Again, I've used it once, but I know that everyone else swears by it. So I'm confident that uh, that my one experience is indicative of, of everyone else's experience. But yeah, it's, it's super, it's, it's really, really nice finish for, you know, for certain projects. So I highly recommend it. And I would say that the price point, while staggering for what it is, it, 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 the, the use Versus price point is probably very justified. That makes cool. sense. 
Yep, makes perfect sense. I will have a link to Oda's Oil in the show notes. So this week, I am the kind of two guy. Because I had an idea for thing of the week. I forgot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't remember what it was. So I sent to I sent to Jamie and Ethan before we started. I sent them my pick for thing of the week. Because it was mm-hmm. always one that I've been meaning to mention. I just never got around to mentioning it. Um, and then I remembered my actual pick of the week. So my half pick of the week is going to be a movie that's on Amazon. Just came out a couple of, it uh, came out July 2nd. So it's a brand new movie on Amazon called The Tomorrow War. Oh, um, yes. I, I saw that come up. Okay. Yeah, I I'm just going to tell you this much. Don't read the reviews. Just watch the movie. And mm-hmm. here's why. When I was growing up and I, you know, way back in the aughts, you know, <laughs> whenever, um, I'm 45 years old. So when I was growing up, it was like the 80s and 90s. And summer pop- popcorn movies were a thing, right? Go to the movies, check your brain at the door and just enjoy a good movie where aliens get shot things blow up and you have a lot of fun (laughs) and i feel like this move and now movies are so heavy and everyone's trying so hard to win awards and so hard to be you know it's just message after message and i'm I'm not saying don't do your message movies go ahead do your message movies but i also don't want to watch message movies you know, I'm, it's not that I'm a, I don't want to see them. It's that sometimes I just want to watch a movie where it's just a fun romp with stuff right. blowing up and cool gore and all that. This movie is everything that I loved about movies in the 80s and 90s. It is literally a sci-fi movie about a war with aliens. It couldn't be a more perfect movie. But here's what's amazing about it. this The special effects in this movie are mind-boggling particularly the aliens. And if you don't watch it for any other reason, watch it to see what the aliens look like because they are absolutely, I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about because they're so, they're absolutely terrifying. All of them, they're terrifying. And this, the storyline is decent. It's, there's a, <laughs> there's a major plot hole that's, that's figured out. Literally, I figured out a plot hole. <clears throat> I, we were maybe 15 minutes into the movie and I figured out such a glaring plot hole is like, Oh my God. Like if you give this movie any thought, you're going to punch holes in the plot, like, Swiss right, cheese. Right, right. but it's totally worth a watch. If you have prime, it's already free. Just go watch it. It's not a bad movie. If I was rating it on a out of 10 scale, I'd give it a solid eight. Cause it was just so much fun. And I really liked it. I think about halfway through, I'm like, wow, I haven't like looked at my phone. Like normally in a movie, I tend to like do like not doze off, but days out and start looking at other things and not this one. I actually enjoyed the movie enough to pay attention to it. So fun movie. Definitely take a look. But my thing of the week is a YouTube channel. Surprise, surprise called the pink tree. Um, she is one of the more talented makers and what she does. And I'm, I'm just going to say, I just discovered her. I don't know, a couple of months ago and she makes confections but not actually confections. So she like the most recent video that she uploaded today was um, how to make fake birthday cake. And, yeah, she I, that, and that's only, I, I quickly saw that. It's mind it. blowing. It's so it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So she does like, she does basically, she does confections out of like plaster and resin and clay and everything just looks so realistic. And it's basically like, almost like she's making props but you look at this stuff and you're like, that looks delicious. And none of it's edible. <laughs> like none of right. it. She has a whole channel of making 
stuff that isn't actually what it looks like. And it's amazing to watch her work. She's she's basically a food stylist for not food. So oh, that's cool. such a tease. There's right. a lot of there's so much artistic. I know it sounds like such an oddly niche and specific thing, but there's so much artistic yeah. merit to the stuff she makes, and it's so much fun to just watch. Holy crap, that's just looking more and more realistic to the beauty shots where. If I just showed you the beauty shots of her channel, you'd be like wanting to go to a sweet shop and eat some stuff. So great channel. And she's really nice. She's got this nice personality. And her whole crafting area is this nice, warm, mint <sighs> Canadian color. Yeah. It, and that's what I was just going to say. And she's Canadian. I mean, I won't hold that again. No, I'm kidding. But she's Canadian, which is automatically bonus points as far as being nice and warm and friendly. And it's just a great channel. And it's kind of fun to watch someone do something unique. You know, you're tired of watching the same old stuff. She's definitely someone. I think her name is Rebecca Bork. Um, yeah, that's her name, Rebecca Bork. I've been trying to remember her name. Um, <laughs> super talented, super yeah. original, and definitely someone you're going to want to check out if you're looking for something interesting to watch. And I will have the link to her in the show notes. And who knows? Maybe one day she'll be a guest. And no, that's not that's not me saying I've already asked. That's me saying she's the kind of person that I'd love to have on because yeah. they have unique skills. Just like our wonderful guest this evening, nice. So, Vincent, so Vincent, I, I, I was refraining because you you had your second thing of the week, but I mm-hmm. really wish that we could get Bob to do like a voiceover for your recommendation for the movie. Oh man, that would just be like, awesome! A sci-fi <laughs> movie about aliens with plot holes. You know, like, <laughs> could in totally see him with lots in of a plot world. Holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like make your knife. I'll give you the plot hole. Let me give you the first plot hole that appears, right? Okay. So the idea is very simple. There's a war going on in the future. Humanity is losing this war. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing is they figured out basically point-to-point time travel. So people from the future come back and warn us, hey, this war is happening and we're not winning it. So what they do is they institute a global draft and they start sending people from current time into the future to fight the war because they just need people. They have nobody left. The whole planet, and this is the plot hole, the whole planet is down to 500,000 humans left. Got that number? 500,000 people on the entire planet. Okay. What they will do is they are sending older people forward in time to fight the war. Why are they sending older people? Well, they're sending older people so there's no chance of you bumping into yourself in the future. There are 500,000 people (laughs) in the future. They are sending people older so they don't bump. Listen, you can send pretty much anyone into the future. They're not going to bump into themselves because everyone's dead. (laughs) In a world where everyone's dead. Basically, so the whole world population is 500,000 people, and you're worrying about sending people into the future so they don't bump into themselves? What do you think your chances of sending the 500,000 people that are left on the world now, in the future, 30 years in the future from now, and they're all going to bump into people they know. Well, yeah, that's the big plot hole, and it hits you so hard, at the, and you're like, oh, man, if you give this movie any thought, it's going to just completely ruin it. But it's still a good movie. It's still fun. And actually, that plot hole does actually come, believe it or not, does come into play. I oh, kid you go. not. Um, still a good movie. Still recommended. You know what else is recommended? The people that support this show financially. We are we are 
crushing these segues. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> Including Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde, who oh. got like 62 mentions on this show. Yep. So I don't want to hear that we don't mention our people that take care of us. No, I'm kidding. Um, Dave from Atomic Airship Works. Emily Joyce, Ed from Ed's Clocks and More, Rory from RLO Woodworks, Chris from Full Steam Designs, Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy, Debbie Haddock, Jerry Hyduke, Joey from JH Custom Woodcraft, Dean Duplantis, Jacob Anguiano from Native Sun Wood Art, and Makers Figuring It Out, Robert J. Keller, Scott from Dad It Yourself DIY, the one and only Grant Alexander, um, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Jake from iMakeJake.com, Big Al Schultz, my buddy from up north who I was so glad to see this weekend, from New York Woodworks, Justin Ofler from Bear Make It, and Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks. Also, um, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, last week, I had the privilege of being one of the three hosts on the Clamp podcast, which is was absolutely fantastic, and I had a great time. Well, I got to talk to um, Morley and Ryan on Into the Spotlight. Yes, I got to be on Into the Spotlight. I felt very, very honored to be asked. I was like, wow, I'm standing among giants here. But I got to be <laughs> on Into the Spotlight with um, with Morley and Ryan. And as we record this, this, that episode will be out tomorrow, which means as you listen to this very episode, that episode came out yesterday. So go ahead and go have a listen. If you want to hear me damn near cry, because I know you haven't heard me cry on this podcast in a while, so you can <laughs> hear me cry on that one. It's amazing. Okay. Jamie, it has been an absolute pleasure to finally really talk has. to you. You're another one of those people that I've talked to a lot. We've had a couple of conversations like, oh, yeah, no, we, we talk regularly. It's kind of cool. And, oh, wait, we've never actually spoken. Oh, right. This is one of those famous 2020 yes, yes. friendships, as yeah, we call them. Is, it's been great. It's It's been so much fun having you. We love your stuff so much. And of course, we're going to have all the links to all the stuff in your, um, all the stuff you're doing in your in your show notes, in our show notes. Um and I just hope you keep doing it. I hope you keep crushing it because you're doing, you're doing amazing work. And if you guys need, if you guys need um leather bag or something cool made out of leather, maybe you want a leather plant hanger, mm. you know, let's com- continue <laughs> to prove the the thought wrong. And <laughs> continue. To make um, yeah, I'm actually very excited because I found out right before we started recording that my seal t-shirt will be arriving in a couple of days. I am very, very excited. Of course I got the burgundy one because you know, I need a little color in my life. I got accused of not having enough color in my life, so I'm going with color. <laughs> but I'm really excited to get it. I'm it was been it's been really great talking to you and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been really great. Thank you. All right. And uh that's gonna do it for this week. We do have guests lined up for the next couple of weeks, as always. And uh I mean it's pretty easy to figure out. We also have a pretty big one coming up, you know. I'm not saying that other guests aren't important, but it's one that people have asked, when are we having this person on? Well, we we're finally having this person on. It's not anytime in the next couple of weeks because those are booked out, but soon we are having a certain person on. I'm going to be cryptic, but you guys already know who it is. I mean, come on, you can put two and two together. You're not genie. You're not uh, whatever. I can't it's, talk it's tonight. My, it's my dad. Oh, it's yeah. We're having we're having Mister Carter, Ethan Carter the <laughs> second. <Elder. on>. Yeah. <laughs> not the wrestler. No. The wrestler is not Ethan's dad. Just so no. you know, <laughs> that would be the second. And yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will be back again next week and have a great week.